Walt Disney World Memories Podcast, memory number 82, the Hall of Presidents, the second time. Today's memory is made possible by the recurring supporters. These are listeners like you that are helping to ensure that we can continue to produce high quality family entertainment as we've been doing since 2006. As a thank you for their generosity, these supporters receive gifts from me like ad-free and early access to episodes. If you would like to find out how to join the recurring supporters for as little as $1 a month, visit our website at www-memories.net slash support. You can now become a supporter directly through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Patreon, as well as many other ways. I hope you can agree that the work we have put into the show is worth it and would consider a small support donation. Again, to find out how you can help, go to www-memories.net slash support. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Memory 82 of the WDW Memories Podcast. My name is Lou and I'll once again be your host as we take this journey into another Walt Disney World memory. One week ago, the United States of America practiced a fundamental principle and exercised our right to vote for our new president. As it turns out, we selected our president for one more term and the results of that great tradition is what we're here to relive today. Our memory for today is the Hall of Presidents attraction at the Magic Kingdom Park. The request for today's memory came from Dan in Michigan. He wrote to me in an email, My entire family and myself and some of my friends are planning to return to WDW in June of 2013. I was wondering if you have the updated version of the Hall of Presidents uh, with President Obama. Well, Dan, your timing couldn't be much better. I Really, it was lucky. I didn't plan it this way. At, you know, As I originally scheduled the podcast, I hadn't even realized that this one kind of fell on the week after the election here in the United States. It was just a perfect match for us. And because it's such a popular topic, I actually got quite a bit of feedback from folks that follow us on social media. Uh, Here are some of my favorite comments. Dennis wrote on Facebook, I love this attraction now and appreciate the history that it tells and the presentation of all the presidents. Now, when I was a kid, this attraction scared me more than than the Haunted Mansion. When a president would start to move, it always kind of creeped me out. Not sure why, maybe because it it looked real. Now when we go back each year, I make sure my girls see this attraction each time. It's like a cliff note version of American History 101. I've got another feedback from Facebook, this time from Frederick. He wrote, 
I think it's a good attraction. I'm glad it's staying the same for now. I was really surprised at how interested my kids were to see it in the pa- this past August. We actually fitted in before lunch on our first full day because my eight-year-old asked several times when we were going to see Obama. And I'm going to wrap it up with one more from Facebook, this time from Laura. She said, I used to find this attraction really boring when I was younger, mostly because I really didn't understand what the presidents were talking about at the time. However, after realizing I wanted to read American Studies at the university next year, I now watch this show with newfound interest and find it amazing how the presidents look so incredibly real. I also like how the attraction is an escape from the relentless Florida heat. In our trip in December, we will surely make a visit there and see the American presidents in all of their glory once again. So as you can see, this is a very powerful attraction and probably one not to be missed. It may sound boring, but the renewed sense of pride in America is undeniable. For the longest time, though, I hadn't visited this attraction myself, and I regretted it once I got back there this summer. Some of you may remember Memory 34, the Hall of Presidents, from November of 2009. At that point, I hadn't been back to the Hall of Presidents for a few years, so I hadn't had the opportunity to catch President Barack Obama's speech with the updated theme. So when my trip this summer was coming up, I made it a point to catch this great attraction once again. Let me set the memory up for you. It's June of 2012, so you can imagine it's very hot. I spent my day at the convention in downtown Orlando and slipped away in the evening for some fun at the Magic Kingdom. After getting into the Magic Kingdom, I've done a few rides, but still haven't had time for dinner. My touring plan had me scheduled to catch the Hall of Presidents, but when I arrived, I discovered the next show wasn't for another 20 minutes, so I went on to find food. I grabbed a sweet potato and corn from the nearby market and ate outside while I waited for the next show. I ended up taking just a little too long and got to the front door just as they were starting the next show. They let me duck under the rope and I sat down just as they started the announcements for the show. As I mentioned earlier, our memory today is a recent one and is in binaural and recorded with that new recorder, so I'd suggest putting those headphones on now. Now sit back, relax, close your eyes. And come with me as we celebrate the leaders of the United States of America. Too late to get in? Pardon? Just me. (laughs) Thank you. Okay.
250 years ago in Philadelphia, a dream was born. In a time of emperors and kings, it was an astounding revolutionary dream that we, the people, should choose our own leaders, that they should be one of us. This was a dream born of fire, safeguarded by sacrifice during a brutal winter at Valley Forge. Yet it was a dream that was almost over before it had truly begun. The war for independence had left the American colonies bankrupt. Leaders argued, unpaid troops rebelled, and some even cried out for a return to monarchy and for General George Washington to be crowned King of America. But the man who had led an army of farmers to victory over the mighty British Empire made it clear that the only title he desired was citizen of the United States of America. I am at a loss to conceive what part of my conduct could have given encouragement to an idea which to me seems the greatest mischief that can befall our country. If you have any regard for yourself, banish these thoughts from your mind. But when the new nation finally adopted its constitution, and it came time to elect its first president, there were no doubts about who that president should be. Only he had such doubts. I fear my countrymen will expect too much of me. I walk on untrodden ground. There is scarcely any part of my conduct which may not hereafter be drawn into precedent. In the end, Washington set the most important precedent of all. The man who could have been king stepped down after two terms in office and took his place again amongst the people. By insisting that he was, above all other things, one of us, he made it possible for any of us to dream of serving the nation in its highest office. And one day, sure enough, it came to pass that a man who wasn't an aristocrat aspired to the office of president. Andrew Jackson was a battle-forged frontiersman, and according to his predecessor, President John Quincy Adams, a barbarian who cannot write a sentence of grammar and can hardly spell his own name. To which Jackson merely replied, It's a damn poor mind indeed that can't think of at least two ways to spell a word. He may have lacked a formal education, but he was tough and brilliant. Just the ticket for a new nation of Americans struggling to turn a dream into an enduring reality. They swept Jackson into office by a landslide and then descended on his inauguration determined to shake his hand in person. Why, 20,000 country people shove to get in the door, no. track their muddy boots across the carpet. And my dear, they would be here still if we hadn't placed tubs of punch out on the lawn. Washington's elite fumed, but Jackson loved it, for these were his people. He was proud to be one of us. I do not forget that the planter 
farmer, the mechanic, and the laborer form the great body of the people of the United States. They are the bone and sinew of this country. But Andrew Jackson would wage a mighty struggle to hold that great body of people together. State by state, a monstrous injustice that had haunted the country since its beginning was now tearing it apart. As civil war threatened, we searched deep in our heartland for a leader equal to the ordeal ahead. It was perhaps a vindication of the American dream that we found a plain-spoken, self-taught lawyer from Illinois whose campaign platform could be summed up in five simple words. All men are created equal. I say this government cannot endure permanently half-slave and half-free. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Abraham Lincoln's words touched the hearts of reasonable and in 1860, we sent him to Washington, where he would face the hardest task that any American president would ever face. I know there is a God, and that he hates injustice and slavery. I see the storm coming. I know his hand is in it. If he has a place, work for me. And I think he has. I believe I'm ready. I am nothing. But truth is everything. And with God's help, I shall not fail. April 12, 1861. Fort Sumter. The cannon spoke for war. Bitter, violent, and devastating. The blood of half a million Americans was shed in the dark days of our Civil War. But as the sun rose on the cold November day in 1863, Thousands of Americans gathered on the battlefield in Gettysburg to hear President Abraham Lincoln give meaning to our sacrifice. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield of that war. We have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who here gave their lives that that nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this crowd. The brave men, living and dead, who struggled here 
have consecrated it far above our poor power to add or detract. The world will little note, nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. It is for us the living, rather, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us, that from these honored dead, we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion. That we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. This nation did have a new birth of freedom. And as our frontiers pushed west, we looked for new leaders that embodied our bold and new spirit. Leaders like Theodore Roosevelt, born to wealth and privilege, but imbued with the spirit of the American frontier. He rode with cowboys and led his rough riders up San Juan Hill during the Spanish-American War. This kind-hearted, tough guy fought against monopolies and for the working class. We called him Teddy. Anything else would have been far too formal. He even refused to call his official residence the executive mansion. To him, it was just a house. It was just a white house. And so, it would always be called. Three decades later, his distant cousin Franklin Delano Roosevelt would occupy that same White House and lead the country through its hardest trials since the Civil War. A world war was looming, and the Great Depression had paralyzed a great nation. The president we called upon to lead us through those hard times was himself paralyzed by polio. But with determined optimism, he had triumphed and now he was ready to share his cheerful strength with a badly frightened people. During FDR's fireside chats on the radio, entire cities came to a standstill and listened. ...to the people themselves. Let us unite in banishing fear. Together, we cannot fail. In a calm and reassuring voice, he called out to America, and America answered back. We're just modest, middle-class people having lost what little we have. My savings are tied up in a closed bank. I believe that you will guide us through these dark days. Just as And I expect to be in service shortly. Now we know we are not fighting alone. I feel that at last we can hope. With that hope, we began to believe in the future again. FDR had reminded us of the power of the American dream. Sixteen years later, America's youngest elected president once again called upon the power of the people to change the world. Let the word go forth from this time and place to friend and foe alike that the torch has been passed 
to a new generation of Americans. John F. Kennedy's stirring words ushered in a historic decade of civic activism in which ordinary Americans struggled to right old wrongs and chart new frontiers of possibility. It has always been the role of presidents to remind us of our roots, to call us to the future. In their best moments, they speak words that are already there in our hearts, especially in times of tragedy. All I have, I would have given that not to be standing here today. We mourn seven heroes. We mourn their loss as a nation together. You have lost too much, but you have certainly not lost America. For we will stand with you. Warren G. Harding, 
Calvin Coolidge, Herbert Hoover, Franklin D. Roosevelt, Harry S. Truman, Dwight D. Eisenhower, John F. Kennedy, Lyndon B. Johnson, Richard M. Nixon, Gerald R. Ford, Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan, George Bush, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush. And now we come to the present, a present that is rooted in our past. For all of Liberty's leaders have one thing in common, one trust they all accepted. My fellow citizens, no event could have filled me with greater anxieties than that notification on the 14th day of April, 1789, that you had selected me to lead our nation. But it was with the confidence of my fellow citizens that I took an oath. 35 simple words that have been repeated by every American president throughout history. As long as that oath is taken and solemnly fulfilled, the American dream will endure. I, Barack Hussein Obama, do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States, so help me God. Ladies and gentlemen, President Barack Obama. The American dream is as old as our founding, but as timeless as our hopes. It is reborn every day in the heart of every child who wakes up in a land of limitless possibilities, in a country where we the people means all the people. We may come from different places and believe different things, but what makes us American is a shared spirit, a spirit of courage and determination, of kindness and generosity. It is a spirit grounded in the wisdom of the generations that have gone before us, but open to the unimagined discoveries and possibilities on the horizon that lies ahead. Let us enjoy it, cherish it, defend it, and pass it on to our children as the bright and beautiful blessing it is, this enduring American dream.
thank you for coming into the hall of presidents. Please exit to your right. Please exit only to your right when you see those open doors. Make sure you have all your personal possessions with you. And then go out there and have a fantastic evening in the magazine. Stop by and see us here soon at the Hall of Presidents. Thanks again, Dan, for that request, and thank you to everyone who liked the post on Facebook and Google+. As always, if you'd like to make a request or leave me some feedback, stop by the WDW Memories website at www-memories.net. There you can find out how to contact me, leave feedback on the show, connect with me on Google+, Facebook, and Twitter, view my photos on Flickr, and videos on YouTube. And don't forget, you can always reach me on the voicemail line at 336-WDW-MEM0 and leave your request or feedback that way. If you like this show and you want to help others find it, a review on iTunes will help move us up that search results list, or maybe mention us in a tweet on Facebook, Google+, Pinterest, or whatever your social media of choice is to help get the word out about the show. Finally, if you'd like to help support this podcast in some small way, you can click the donate button where you'll be redirected to PayPal. Here you can make a one-time donation or recurring donation of any amount that you like. And don't forget to check out the affiliate links on the website for other great information that helps support this show. As I've mentioned before, some of those funds have already gone to the purchase of this new recorder, which has greatly improved the quality of my in-park recordings. So thanks again for listening, and join me again in two weeks as we relive another Walt Disney World memory. Bye.